Well... I didn't think you had it in you. I'm your huckleberry. Why, Johnny Ringo. You look like somebody just walked over your grave. Fight's not with you, Holiday. I beg to differ, sir. We started the game we never got to finish. Play for blood, remember? I was just fooling about. I wasn't. All right, Lunger. Let's do it. Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. One of my favorite movies from childhood is the movie Tombstone. Came out in 1993, classic good guys versus bad guys western movie. And the two key players were Curly Bill, leader of the bad guys, and Wyatt Earp, leader of the good guys. Some bad guys get killed, some good guys get killed, and in the end, Wyatt Earp leads the charge and kills Curly Bill, sending the bad guys packing back to lick their chops. But the second bad guy, the guy who became the leader, now that Curly Bill was dead, was Johnny Ringo. Johnny Ringo was supposedly the fastest gun in the West, and the huge ending scene is when Johnny Ringo tries to settle the score with Wyatt Earp. Calls him out, says, let's settle this man-to-man, be men, and settle our differences. Problem is, Wyatt Earp isn't good enough with his gun to beat Johnny Ringo. But he's got to go anyway, that's what men do. Well, sure enough, his buddy, Doc Holliday, who was suffering from lung disease, was the fastest gun in the West, he was just older. And Doc knew that Wyatt Earp couldn't beat Johnny Ringo. So that scene that you just heard is when Doc Holliday dresses up like Wyatt Earp, shows up to duel Johnny Ringo. Johnny Ringo's nervous because here's Doc Holliday. But Doc Holliday says, I'll be your huckleberry. Let's do it. And Johnny Ringo being the brash, cocky, arrogant guy that he is, says, sure, Lunger, attacking that he has lung disease, let's do it. Well, that scene ends with Doc Holliday blowing away Johnny Ringo, and I can't think of a better scene to depict what happened last night in my avatar bet with the illustrious Gus Kearns. Mind you, this is my second avatar bet loss. The first one is when my Baylor Bears went down, got kicked out of Alpha Undefeated Pie. At West Virginia. This time, even after Gus called it, said he felt positive that UBA was going to win at Notre Dame. Fishy line. Moved him to 11-2 and on the year, by the way, with those. I decided to go the other way. I believed in Notre Dame. They had been an underdog. Virginia's on the road. Felt good about it. And well, you saw what happened. And that's why there's a sailfish on my Twitter account at Fantasy FTSY Warrior Mike. Honestly, full disclosure here with our fans, I'm going to be away the next few days. So Gus was going to do this podcast solo. 
But just as Doc Holliday had a man up, Wyatt Earp had a man up, that's what men do. So I got to come here and tape this podcast so you the fans know that I'm not ducking. I'm going to let you know when I'm 5-1 and one, and I'm going to let you know when I'm 0-3 like I was last night. And last night, we went strike one, strike two, strike three. Cross the board on all three. But I want to come on. I want to talk about it. I want to break it down. And what you'll get tonight is myself. And then Gus will do solo as well tomorrow. We'll put it together for you. We'll give you the little Mike Randall, Gus Kearns back-to-back, although not together. And then we'll be back for you next week. So welcome, folks, to the Screen the Screener podcast where we talk all things NCAA basketball with you. I am Mike Randall. We're going to go through tonight's games. I'll give you my reaction. I'll give you my thoughts. And we're going to learn. Because just like when you fail a test, you got to learn from it and move forward. And there was a lot to learn here, what went on. Just when we thought we had it figured out, and this is why it's the best sport in America, just when you thought we had it figured out, they changed the rules on us and just baffle us with the results. So we're going to do a deep dive. Gus will come on in a little bit. He'll give you his reaction and he'll do Broadway solo. So let's just start with the big game. Number 12, Virginia goes into Notre Dame, wins 71-54. They led by one at the half and just turned it on the second half. So here is my thought coming into the game, and then we'll take a look at actually what happened. This is a Virginia team that's 16-3 overall, 16-3 overall, 6-2 in the conference. Lost twice in the conference already. This is a team that when they have played on the road, they have not dominated. Look at their road games. Played at Louisville, close game one, back in December. Then played home Florida State, lost, big loss. Dwayne Bacon couldn't be shut down. They go to Pitt, who's not good after getting doubled up tonight by Louisville. Play Wake Forest at home, win handily. They go to Clemson and struggle against a team that has not been good this year. They go to Boston College and win. Georgia Tech at home, they win by 13. So to me... This was a close game, and I think Notre Dame's good. Notre Dame is battle-tested. They've won at Miami. They've won at Virginia Tech, and they always shoot well at home. Every single time I've seen them play, they shoot well at home. How do you beat a help-and-recover team, like Tony Bennett team? You shoot threes. You drive and kick. And I thought Bonzi would do well, and he did. And I thought they'd be able to shoot the three, and they did not. Three out of 18 from three-point range. Now, Many of you may say that that's Virginia's defense. No, it wasn't. Because I watched the game start to finish. Those were not contested threes. Those were wide open threes, marginally contested at times. They're just missing. VJ Beecham, 0 of 5. VJ Beecham with the 30-point game last game. 0 of 5 at home. 1 of 10 from the field. Steve Vissoria, only 2 of 5. Matt Farrell only got 3 off. 1 of 3. Ryan from off the bench, 0 of 2. They were just missing shots at home. I don't think it was Virginia's defense. Where I think Virginia did a nice job is on the boards. Virginia, 38 rebounds to 22 rebounds. They were one and done. And that's where Virginia really shines. So Virginia came in and just took it over. And Gus nailed it. He had it. He had the metrics together. I don't know how he does his metrics, folks, but they're right on. And he totally had it nailed. London Parentis is as important to this Virginia team as Maurice Watson Jr. is, without a doubt. 22 points, 
Seven to thirteen from the field, five eight from three point range. Shoot the ball, London. If Virginia's going to win, he's got to follow that mantra. That's been our mantra all year, and it's been totally accurate. And that proves it. In the games that they've lost, when they've lost, he hasn't really produced. They lose to Florida State. Parentis average game, ten points, four of nine from the field. Could have shot more. When they went at Pitt in an overtime game, Parentis 16 points. Tonight, against Notre Dame, 22 points. That's the key. That's what's going to happen. He doesn't have a lot of athleticism, but he's a winner. He's a big-time player, and he can distribute. He can get Wilkins 13 points. Shayok 10 points. Hall 11 points. Jerome 8 points. That's what he does. Five rebounds, too, for Leonard Parentis. Five rebounds, really? And Notre Dame just didn't shoot well. So second half, Virginia turned up the defense. It just seemed like they couldn't get it going. And kudos to Virginia. Notre Dame's still really good. This is a tough loss at home. I still think they're good. 17-4, in conference, tied with Virginia. So hats off to Gus. Avatar's change. He nailed it. Virginia, 71. Notre Dame, 54. Next up, Purdue goes and plays in East Landing against Michigan State. Purdue, number 20, 84-73 win over Michigan State. I want to announce this now on the podcast to all the fans. I am done with Michigan State. Done. D-O-N-E. I love love Izzo. Love Miles Bridges. He's going to be an incredible pro. He ain't going to be back next year, that's for sure. I'm done with him. I liked him at Ohio State. They let me down. I like them at Indiana. Let me down. Coming home, this is a team that I liked Northwestern to beat in Michigan State. Blow them out. This is a team I liked Minnesota to beat in Michigan State. Blow them out. And then when I back them, they get stopped. A remarkable game, correctly called by Gus, again, for Caleb Swanigan. 25 points, 17 rebounds. He made three threes. Just an incredible, incredible job by Caleb Swanigan. Haas came in off the bench, 11 points, did a nice job. All the starters, Vince Edwards, Carson Edwards, Matthias, P.J. Thompson, all had double figures. Carson Edwards, by the way, settled the game down early on. And I really thought that Michigan State was going to jump out here right away, and they didn't. They didn't because of Swanigan, and they didn't because of Carson Edwards. Found the stroke and took five threes and really kept them going. And once they got past that initial surge, everything was fine. I thought Swanigan get in foul trouble. He didn't. I thought Haas get in foul trouble. He didn't. I thought they would shut the threes down. They did not. Purdue shot 11 of 21 on the road at Michigan State. 52% from three-point range. Just a remarkable game. Now, to Michigan State. The problem with Michigan State is that Tom Izzo is a magician. And he's been basically David Copperfield for all these years. And we keep waiting for him to get better. And waiting for him to turn things around. Folks, he's not going to this year. Here's the problem. Nick Ward, freshman, terrible. Freshman, not ready yet. Big guy, young guy who's going to get better, not ready. Langford, freshman, two up and down. Big game, bad game. Big game, bad game. And the point guard, Tum Tum Nairn, who's a great leader. Great leader. Solid guy. Team guy. Love him. He doesn't score. He can't put the ball in the basket. Folks, 
Their point guard had no field goal attempts. Their point guard had no free throw attempts. You can't win a game like that. So basically, Tom Izzo and Miles Bridges did everything he could with 33 points, 5-8 from three-point range. Tremendous job. But he was the only guy in double figures. So they don't have a center because Nick Ward is is young and is, is not ready to, to play primetime. Aaron Harris has been terrible this year. Awful. And Tom Tom Nairn doesn't score. So Izzo's going to win in one of the toughest conferences in the country without a center and without a point guard. No, he's not. And folks, Michigan State's 12-9. and They're 6-4 and four in conference. We talk about identifying those low seeds that are going to be dangerous. Michigan State's not going to be dangerous because Tom Tom Nairn's not scoring. Because Nick Ward is not going to become a 15-10 and 10 guy by the end of the year. It's Miles Bridges. It's Langford and Harris. And if they're not going to play well at home, they are not going to play well on the road. Michigan State is in danger of not making the tournament. I cannot believe I'm saying that. Miles Bridges is fantastic. They really miss Ben Carter. They really miss Gavin Schilling. Both have knee injuries. And they miss Devonta Davis, who people thought would be back. He was freshman last year, declared for the NBA draft. Bad move, second round. You know, probably could have been a first-round pick this year if he stayed. This Michigan State team is not going to make a run. We keep waiting for it. We think Izzo will pull his magic. He was king of, of the, the you know, sort of non-traditional powers with Northwestern and Minnesota. But you know what? He's not. They're not as good as Indiana, even with Indiana's injuries that they've had. They're not as good as uh, Purdue. They're not as good as Wisconsin. And they're not as good as Michigan either. So... It's a problem. That tough schedule that Izzo had could keep them out of the tournament. They'll rebound, folks. They'll they'll win a couple games here and there, but I'm done with Michigan State. I'm done. Uh, They are just not going to cut it. And Purdue is good. This was a great win for Purdue. Great call there. Um, I think Gus liked a great win for Purdue. Uh, They're good. Shot well on the road. They shoot it well home. They shoot it well away. They have the big guys inside. Swanigan is a big-time player. He's a top, top lottery pick. Great job by Purdue. Down goes Michigan State. Strike two. And the third strike, number two, Kansas, goes to West Virginia, number 18, West Virginia, evidently the hardest place to play in the solar system. And Kansas loses 85-69 by 16 points. Folks, West Virginia makes me insane. This is a team where everyone averages eight points. They play on the road. They're average. They've been very mediocre on the road this year. If you look at their recent schedule, they lost at Texas Tech, 77-76. They won at home to TCU, won at home to Baylor, go on the road to Texas, barely squeak it out with Texas missing a major player, 74-72. They then come home against a average Oklahoma team. Home, right? This is where they play. They are unstoppable. If they played the Cleveland Cavaliers at home, they'd be favored by seven. And they lose in overtime, 89-87. Jordan Woodward, Woodward goes off. Then they go on the road to Kansas State, and I correctly predicted they lost there. So to me, they're in a slide. And the team that can stop them, to me, was Kansas. Kansas has guards. Kansas won't turn the ball over. Kansas didn't turn the ball over. Kansas went to West Virginia. They had a total of 13 turnovers. West Virginia themselves had eight. That's fine. But when people go to West Virginia, except for Oklahoma, 
It's like playing in a different planet. And there's home court advantages, guys. I just don't understand why this happened. Kansas, Frank Mason, 15 points, average, 6 for 16. Devontae Graham had 17, he had three threes. Josh Jackson, 22 points. Uh, That was it. And they were 44% from three-point range, which is good. They made 13 threes, that's great. Only 42% from the field. 40% from the free throw line, 6 of 15. But when you lose by 16 points, the free throw really doesn't make a huge difference. They had 32 rebounds. West Virginia, 39 rebounds. So you look at it, you say, how'd this really happen? Well, it's that West Virginia shoots well at home. When they're home, they're comfortable. They were 48% from the field. They made eight threes, shot 40%, though, 8 of 20. And they were 19 to 23 from the free throw line, 82%. That's it. But I will tell you this. I was wrong. I took the four points. And again, West Virginia at home against less it's Oklahoma. Makes no sense. They play well. This team is the type of team that is vulnerable come tournament time. Just telling you. Last year, they were a three seed. They lose by 14 points to Stephen F. Austin. Now, they have had success in the tournament. 2005, won the second round against Buffalo, won the third round against Maryland, lost Sweet 16 badly to Kentucky. I think Devin Williams got two fouls right away in that game, I think. Uh, second round, they lost to Gonzaga in 2012 when they were a 10 seed. They weren't in the tournament 13, 2013, 2014. So when they're in, they have success sometimes. But they also are very vulnerable because they are hot and cold. So when you play them, if you do not turn the ball over and it's at a neutral site and they're not shooting well, they can lose to anyone in the country. And I said it last time, including the Ivy League. Any league, anybody, any small team. They could easily lose by 15 points to like a St. Mary's in a 7-10 game. Absolutely. But they also are talented enough and they have a Hall of Fame coach where they can win. And that's what they did here. So this looked good for a while. Kansas was battling well. They were leading. And then all of a sudden... Everything changes. I think if you look at the the, the points they scored per game, um, it was Kansas was up first half. Second half, West Virginia gets up. Kansas ties it again or takes the lead rather, 59-58 with nine minutes left. And then West Virginia just opens it up. So if you look at the Big 12, Kansas is now 7-1, which is good for my Baylor Bears, who are 6-1 right behind them. West Virginia, 5-3. and three. Iowa State now 5-3. and three. Kansas State, 4-4. Four and four, Really bunched up. And look who's at the bottom. We talked about last time. Gus mentioned it. Texas, 2-6. and six. So that was strike three. And those are my three games. So what did we learn from them? Well, in the first one, if Parentis scores, Virginia can control the pace of play against anyone. But the problem is when you play that slowdown game against a bad team, which Notre Dame is not, you also can run the risk of losing. But that's what happened. They came in, they shot well, they played well, and it was the change of styles like Gus said. Game number two, I'm done with Michigan State, and you should be too. No point guard, no center, couple freshmen, no bench, no bueno. Michigan State, no good. Purdue, very good. Shooting threes and big guys inside, that can take you a long way. So that's a team that you should definitely keep an eye on. And the last one, Kansas is still really good. But West Virginia at home, usually they're good. But I would still stay away. I just I can't get behind West Virginia. I cannot get behind a Final Four West Virginia pick right now. I just can't because they're too helter-skelter. 
You never know what team's going to show up. And if I can't figure out, I don't know what it is, I'm going to stay away. So those are my three games, folks. I am out for the next few days. I'm away. Not going to be able to tape the podcast, so Gus is going to take you from here. He's got a lot of great games to talk about tonight. Sindarius Thornwell returned in a big way. South Carolina took care of business. Maryland, team no one's talking about right now. Number 22C did well. Louisville destroyed Pittsburgh. Made sure artists didn't score 43. They only scored 51 as a team total. Uh, Nova and Marquette, a legendary, legendary game. I'm sure Gus will have a lot to talk about. And just as much as we said that, is Kentucky going to lose another game? They lose the next game to Tennessee. So those are the games, folks. They're going to run them down. Gus will take you from here. Screen the Screener podcast. We learn. We lose. We win. Full disclosure, we're here for you. Thanks for listening. Tombstone, huh? Like it, Mike Randall. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thank you for your personal choice of consumption of the Screen the Screener podcast. We are spackling this particular college basketball listening tour on the evening of January 25th and January 26th, uh, 2017. We aim to improve your commute to and fro, distract you from your Super Bowl exotic bets, and provide that quirky topic that you can infuse in conversation that you might come up at your Super Bowl party. Um, Speaking of exotic type of information, the sailfish. I hope everybody got to view at Fantasy Warrior Mike's new aquatic avatar. Nice, Mike. Always thankful, so humbled, and honestly honored to chat NCA hoops with you and without Mike this time, to our ever-increasing audience. So, ahoy out there. Happy you're all tuning in at my WTF show. Keep crafting your thing out there. Nice. And at Rich DeMarco, old school baby, go Army. Hey, let's start with some news and notes. Rundown for the people. Ready? News and notes from the hardwood. Hey, Mike Randall started off with this. So will I. Number 12, UVA pulls away from number 14, Notre Dame in South Bend. We're just going to say hashtag fishy lines on this one. Mike Randall did the unthinkable. He went against the established, successful, proven screen the screener fishy line and liked Notre Dame here. P.S. The podcast is now 10-2 and two on the season. I think Mike might have given us an extra game just because he was giddy with our fishy line selections. And now Mike has a sailfish as his avatar. That's what he gets for flying in the face of the screen the screener fishy line segment. Shoot the ball, London. Mike said it too. Cavs guard had 22, and he looked to put it up here and have an offensive impact. When he does this, UVA is a top 10 team. When he's passive, they can just lose to anybody, including Pitt, who just lost by 50. They can lose to anybody when he doesn't shoot. When London gets after it, all they need is a little help. Not much, just a little. And he got just a little. He got 13-9 and nine from Wilkins. He got 11-9 and nine from Hall. UVA D found its target yet again. VJ Beecham, fresh off his 30-point game. Now, Mike mentioned this. He was just 1-for-10 from the field. You may think they were uncontested, but he had to work really hard to get to those spots. So even though the visual of him shooting an open three might seem, ah, that seems appealing, that seems like a good shot. The work that he had to do to run through screens there, really unprecedented and really undervalued. Dominant win for the Cavs and Coach Bennett on the road, hashtag fishy lines. 
Let's go ahead and cover what Mike Randall hit up second for his 0 for 3 uh, evening the other night. Number 20, Purdue gets a huge road win over Michigan State. And you know what we're just going to do here? We're just going to say welcome back, Miles Bridges. We really, really missed you. We're glad you're back. The Frosh had 33 points, breaking a freshman single-game scoring record of Scott Skiles. He had 32 all the way back in 1983. And if you remember, Skiles was pretty good for the Magic. I think he averaged over 20 points a year one game. If you average 20 points a game for an entire NBA season, that's just good. Just really, really good. So bananas went bana- uh, Bridges went bananas, but it still wasn't enough against Biggie and Purdue. Our favorite rebounder, Caleb Swanigan, had another monster game, 25-7, and seven, just like Mike said. He has to be the front runner for Big Ten Player of the Year. He just has to be. Uh, Haas and Swanigan um, put Michigan State on their heels with Goins and, and Ward getting in foul trouble in the second half. Um, they're just big. And you know what? Swanigan's just really smart. Purdue keeps its Big Ten regular season dreams alive, while Michigan State's tourney dreams are now just turning into night sweats. You know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say, cue, cue up the Nathaniel Ratliff. Man, son of a bee, give me a drink. My heart is breaking. Hands are shaking. The bugs are crawling all over me. That's got to be how Izzo feels right now. He's got to feel like bugs are crawling all over his skin after this loss. Hey, I bet Bridges has a few more moments here to grab your attention, and let's hope those moments equal some wins for Sparty and Coach Izzo. What do you say? <sighs> the final trifecta of the unfortunate 0 for 3 that Mike Randall had earlier in the evening is number 2, Kansas, falling at his nemesis, number 18, West Virginia, 85-69. to 69. <sighs> You can just never tell. Who will step up for this coach hugging squad, right? You can never tell which Mountaineer team will show up either in the Big 12. It is the team that takes down the number one ranked team in the nation, Baylor, and now the number two ranked team in the, in the nation, Kansas. Or is it the team that falls to a lesser Oklahoma team on their own home floor? This week it was the former. It was the climbing Mountaineers. West Virginia found a weakness inside. They explored it. Ahmad, um, he went for a career-high 27 points. Kudos to him. So glad to see him find success. Javon Carter just missed a triple-double. He went for 9-9-8 against one of the best backcourts in the nation. Uh, Mike Randall's nightmare popped up again. Um, Foul trouble for Kansas. Frosh the Josh Jackson fouled fouled out about five-ish minutes to play. He had 22 points, was playing great. Kansas could never recover or get any closer. And yes, Frank Mason is playing a first-team All-American and is in conversation for Player of the Year and Big 12 Player of the Year. But Jackson is the guy. He guards multiple positions. He's an extra ball handler. He shoots the three. He even rebounds like a true four-man, even though he's not. Take him in the floor um, in concert with the lack of size that Coach Self is dealing with, and Kansas was totally compromised. Uh, here's looking forward. Let's play a little fortune teller with uh, West Virginia. I'm kind of on board with what Mike Randall is talking about with West Virginia's volatility. Um, usually this in-season volatility does not speak well for March results, i.e., example one, see uh, last March uh, with Stephen F. Austin. 
Uh, Mike Randall was on his game uh, for number three, and history tells us that such a wide swing of results in the season does not treat these teams very uh, very kindly in the postseason. So Mike Randall may be on to something here. Let's move on to the other slate of games here. Um, number 23, South Carolina tops Auburn. Can we just can we just stop everything right now and just put uh, Thornwell on the first team all SEC right now and just be done with it already and everybody be happy with it? Mike Randall's stud had 22, 8, 5, 2, and 2, and 5 made threes. He is sick, just sick. The difference here uh, from the Kentucky game is that he had help. Um, Dwayne Notice hit for 27 points. He made six threes, and they got a bench boost from Justin McKay. Uh, Justin McKee, I'm sorry. As long as Coach Martin keeps winning games like this one, he will have the Gamecocks on the right side of the bubble this year. Remember last year when we, they were one of those omissions in March um, with some late tough losses, and uh, I can still remember him like getting interviewed afterwards and just the disappointment on his face, but he was unbelievably classy. You know what? This year, not only will they be in, they, but they might be in line for a single-digit seed. I mean, let's see. Good on the Gamecocks. Good on Coach Martin. And let, let's wrap this thing up properly. Thornwell is just nasty. He is like a lotto machine waiting to happen with that stat line. Numbers, baby. Numbers. Whew. Speaking of numbers, man. Wow. Did you see the number that Louisville hung on Pitt? In Pitt? 106.51. And they do it without their starting point guard, which makes it even more crazy. Obviously, Patino put this game on the calendar and Sharpie, start it, circle it, put a smiley face on it because they did not want to let Artis go nuts for 40-plus again like he did last matchup. I mean, the whole team only had 51. Pitt also had a week to get ready for this game and prep, and they just came out flat as a pancake. Man. So that means a double-up 50-point win. I don't even know what this game means. I, I can't even make sense of it. Maybe it means take the points and pit next game. I'm just looking for the positives here. They do have a snake bit Clemson uh, team coming in next, but congrats to the Cardinals. I bet Creighton wished they had whatever Louisville had for their pregame dinner down in the Berg. Um, they are now 2-1 and one with no Snyder, while Creighton is on the other side with no Mo Watson. But it's worth noting, they have NC State and Dennis Smith coming in next. Will the loss of Snyder really show up bigger there after Smith's big performance over Duke? Man, let's get to one of these exciting games, right? That court storming in Marquette was just what college basketball season is about. You love those conference games where, where a highly ranked conference team uh, comes in, um, is riding a big winning streak, and, and, and the home team is desperate. They're unranked. They're looking for that big signature win, and man, did Marquette get it? Our guy at Matt Pizaris was in the house. He shot us a picture on SES podcast, uh, SES podcast uh, on Twitter. Thanks, Matty. Um, and he witnessed the takedown. Thanks for the photo and the evidence. Cheers, my man. Um, two free throws from the well-traveled Caitlin Reinhardt with under 12 seconds to go gave the Golden Eagles the 74-72 upset win. Now, lost in this is he also hit a huge three from the wing with about a minute to play to tie this thing up and give the Golden Eagles like that glimmer of hope. I'm happy he's found a home in Marquette, 
um, with Coach Wojo after stops at UNLV and USC. And by the way, drinks have to be free for Reinhardt for the rest of the season, right? After that shot and that performance. They were down 15 points at the half against the number one ranked team in the country. That just speaks, what a win. Man, look, we kid about it here on the pod all the time, but the Big East, it is a grind. It is no joke. Any one of those road games that you're going on against an unranked team is a challenge. I mean, you could be playing an unranked St. John's team that's under 500 in the garden, and guess what? You might find yourself in trouble. Um, The Big East is a grind. Marquette is now clearly off the bubble with two huge top 10 wins in the past 10 days. Give them two or three more quality wins. Put them right back in the tournament. Fly high, Golden Eagles. And Mike Randall mentioned this in his little segment leading into mine. Um, he referenced, like, when we asked, like, oh, when is Kansas going to lose another game? Uh, when is Kentucky going to lose another game? Are they going to lose another SEC game this year? And look what happens. The very next game, number four, Kentucky, falls to Tennessee and Coach Barnes, 82-80. Let's revisit one of the conversations that we've been having all season on the podcast is like the value of certain players. We borrowed the value of Joel Berry, the value of Alonzo Trier, the the value of uh, Emile Jefferson, the value of Mo Watson. You know what? I guess this speaks a little bit to the value of Fox. He's injured. He's not 100%. He is a little bit limited. Um, and if he is, then so is Kentucky. Kudos to the Vols as well. You know what? Let's give a big shout. Big shout, Robert Hubbs III. He went for 25 points and 7 boards against a top 5 ranked team on his home floor. I hope that guy enjoyed his evening and, and got the game ball and, and signed some autographs on the way out. That's a we hope. You know what? They really guarded the 3 line really well. But maybe Kentucky just shot it kind of ugly. They shot 25%, 6 for 24. You're not going to win on the road like that in any conference. This revisits one of the pitfalls that we outlined in one of our earlier podcasts. Outside shooting for the Wildcats. If they go cold, they are vulnerable, especially if their point guard is compromised. If they can't shoot it straight and shoot it that often, then they can drop a game to anyone. Also, this was not a prototypical um, Kentucky defensive game. They will not be selling this tape to the public as a defensive uh, clinic, and I bet they will be viewing it in uh, practice and over and over and over again. That means they can and they will defend better moving forward. Uh, Kansas, look out this weekend. Um, these are the games that caught our attention and allowed us to dream a little bit that March is just going to be absolutely crazy in two months, man. I just can't wait for Christmas in March. Um, Wednesday gave us uh, three, like, what happened games. Like, how did this happen? Mike Randall mentioned a couple of these on his lead-in. Um, the first, what happened? Number six, Florida State, who has been riding high. The last podcast, Mike Randall ran you through the gauntlet of uh, the ranked teams that they have beaten. Um, and they got punched in the mouth. Just punched in the mouth by Georgia Tech. 78-56. Um, so instead of like uh, saying, like, what happened to Florida State, let's go somewhere else. You ready with this? Um, when we previewed and, and, and gave the, the Seminoles and, and started out our last podcast with, you know, with the chop and the chant, um, we teased you with a little comp for freshman uh, Jonathan Isaac. And we read out some stats and said, this 
freshman is averaging this many points and this many rebounds and this many assists and is shooting this well from the field, and we left it up to you guys to figure out who we were comparing him to. Well, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to announce our winners. Congratulations to our Twitter winner who nailed the comparison at Chris Hilliard 32. Nice. We will get you a very, very, very insignificant small prize. Um, we'll be reaching out to you, Chris. Very nicely done. You nailed it, man. And then our email winner is our buddy Eric Fawcett at efawcett7. He and Chris both figured out we were comparing Jonathan Isaac to, that's right, Kevin Durant. Those numbers are very similar. The one thing that's different is their minutes played, and that helps explain the differences between their scoring averages and their rebounding averages. Um, Durant averaged uh, 36 minutes a game, over 36 minutes a game as a freshman, while uh, Isaac is only averaging about 25. Nice work, gentlemen. Well played. Thanks for chiming in. Cheers. Uh, we will make sure that Mike and I get you a little something for nailing that nice trivia and comparison. Well done, boys. Um, number twenty, number 25, Florida. Speaking of uh, Eric Fawcett, just whipped up on LSU. 106, welcome to the Century Club, to 71. And that was at LSU. Yeah, you know what? I think the Gators are legit. I think they're going to stay in the top 25 all year. They're making the tournament. And you know what? They're going to be dangerous in the tournament because they have athletes at every position. And I'm telling you right now, Mike Randall was right on with Hill. Hill is an issue. He's an issue on the defensive end. He's quick. He's shifty. He gets in the lane. I really like what Florida's up to. I love what Coach White is doing. And he has them playing the right way to steal a Coach Brown motto. Really like what Florida's up to. Man, putting up 100. Jeez. <sighs> Sad news. 16, number 16, Creighton, continues to bleed out a little bit. And they lose to Georgetown, 71-51. Now, they fixed the pace problem that they had against Marquette, um, where Marquette put up 100 points and entered the 100 club um, when they played Creighton uh, and defeated Creighton for their first of back-to-back huge wins. Um, So they fixed the pace problem, but scoring 51 points isn't going to do it in the Big East grind that we just mentioned. Um, And against the desperate Georgetown team that is just starving, scratching, um, fighting out for wins. They can take any win they're going to get. so it seems like they're on the right track here. Now they've got to figure out how to put the ball in the basket without giving up 100 points. Uh, and finally, this happened. Our, one of our favorite Comet this year, number 8, UCLA, crossed town to USC. And our Comet got a little off course, unfortunately. Um, UCLA was down 50 at 38. This is, like, this is becoming a trend where UCLA is going to give up 50 points and a half. That is not a good defensive trend you're going to have if you are a Final Four contender. One of the things that stood out to me was that USC actually went some zone. And the zone kind of took UCLA out of their offense a little bit, and they were a little confused and didn't adjust to it right away, and they were kind of fighting back, fighting back. Um, And also, UCLA had 13 turnovers in the first half. And USC is not West Virginia, who's going to turn you over 29 times. Um, the other part is we just got to give some props to USC. They're good. They have athletes. They have kids that can shoot it. They have kids that compete really hard. And they have a coach who knows exactly what he's doing and how he wants to do it. He had that place rolling. He had that team hyped up. 
they're going to make the tournament and they're going to be an issue for somebody because they have athletes that are going to show up and even if they don't shoot it straight, they're going to compete the heck out of things, just like they did against UCLA. Um, we hope that UCLA gets it straightened out. We hope that the comet doesn't start leaving the horizon because we, we still want a few more views of this high-octane offense um, in the Pac-12. How about we hit some Broadway? On Broadway. Oh, man. I got to tell you, the solo walk down Broadway, it's a little lonely. <laughs> uh, I'm missing Mike Randall, missing Dr. Tony. Um, so I'm just going to kick this bottle around over here a little bit and tell you guys about the games that we have up on tap. All right, guys? We got a huge weekend to look at. It's totally loaded. But I'm without Gunslinger Mike Randall, so I'm going to try to give you a lean on each one of these games. Um, usually he's the prediction and the prognostication guy. I might jump in with one or two, um, but I'll try to give you how I'm feeling. Let's jump in with number 22, Maryland, traveling to the barn and mini. Man, Melo Tremble is about up to six games that he's won with his late-game heroics. This game's going to be tough for the Terps. Mini just missed taking down a ranked team in Wisconsin, but I think their aim is going to be true here. I think Maryland runs into trouble. I think Minnesota takes it. We mentioned these guys a little bit earlier. Number 25, Florida, is going to go get dirty with Oklahoma. The point guard matchup here is going to be well worth watching. We talked about Hill and how crafty and, and, and how much he can get in the lane and how quick he is. He's matched up against Woodard. That is a great college basketball point guard showdown. Looking forward to those guys uh, matching up. And you know what this is going to do? This is going to morph into a nice road win opportunity for the Gators to bolster their March uh, resume. Here's my call here. I think Barry and the bench make the difference here for the Gators, and I think they pull away in the second half. Hey, you know what it's time for? It's time for your weekly WCC double shot, baby. And you know what it includes? Uh, Just work with me here, listeners. Please work with me. The only residence left in Alpha Undefeated Pie. That's right. Chef Karnowski has elevated his chef game. Guess what? He's got some omelets on the grill. He's taking orders. Broccoli, ham. Yeah, I'll take one with cheese. Feta, please, Big Shem. Jonathan Williams has the winner on the ping pong table between Nigel Williams, Goss, and Killian Tilly when they're done. Josh Perkins and Zach Collins are chilling by the pool. And uh, Silas uh, Melson and I just asked the DJ if he could queue up Bell Jar in a few, few segments. Your number one in waiting Gonzaga Bulldogs visit Pepperdine at 10 p.m. on Saturday. Can't wait. Looks like they got tonight's win locked up. Go Bulldogs. So happy to still be in the frat house with the boys. While our last undefeated is still dealing, number 21, St. Mary's, is going to go to Santa Clara. I'm just going to say, careful here, St. Mary's. Might be a little bit closer than you think, but let's hope both of our WCC darlings look to get back to that February showdown unblemished. This weekend should help them do that. Hey, we're going to end with the biggies here. You ready? Number two, Kansas, minus Carlton Bragg. We just got the news that he has been indefinitely suspended by Coach Self, not uh, not connected to his previous incident. Um, the, of course, obligatory violation of team rules. We'll have more on this for you later, obviously, but he will not be playing in this game, and they're going to go to number four, Kentucky. This is interesting because both teams are coming off losses, and both teams are compromised a bit. We mentioned before that Fox is not going to be 100%. 
So we saw what happened against Tennessee, and now Kansas is not down one big man with Azubuki out. They're down two big men with Azubuki and Bragg out. You know what you got to love here? You have to love the backcourt showdown here. We are looking at the two finest backcourts in the country here, perhaps. The argument's out there. Um, I love that they're going to be in each other's shorts, going manning and up. There's going to be sneaker squeaks like nobody's business between those two backcourts. Can't wait. And then if you add as like the sidebar or the side dish, the Briscoe-Jackson matchup, that's just nasty athlete versus nasty athlete. Can't wait to watch that one too. Feeling like Kentucky's going to defend a little bit more here. Um, and I think we're going to be blessed by another reindeer optic performance by Monk in the second half. And that's going to help Kentucky get uh, pull a game, pull away in the second half in a game that you think is going to be a little bit closer than you think. And how about we just circle the wagons right back around to the first thing Mike Randall brought up on this whole combo podcast. Let's go to number 12 UVA visiting old number one Virginia. Uh, old number one Villanova. The teams are coming in on completely opposite sides here. Villanova lost a storm, uh, a court storming game at Marquette, whereas UVA is coming off a really tough, important, crucial road win at Notre Dame. Um, the point guard matchup here is a Hoops Weiss special. He is a huge fan of Brunson. Uh, and we, we compared and mirrored their, mirror, uh, their pace of play with Parentes, how they just both play at their own pace. Nobody's playing at a breakneck speed, yet they're still both really efficient and have total control of their squats. Look, totally looking forward to that. Um, I'm feeling like Hart will use this as a stage to further his Player of the Year candidacy. I think he's going to have another efficient all-around game um, I'm feeling like a 17, 8, and 8-ish game with nice percentages. He's not going to put up big numbers because this game is not going to be high scoring. Speaking of which, I haven't seen the number yet, but I'm going to lean towards taking the under here. The pace will be dominated by the lead guards and their casual yet aggressive pace. It's going to be a wonderful game to watch, and it's going to be completely on the other side of the UCLA-USC spectrum. <sighs> Guys... Just want to say some thank yous. Of course, we want to say thank you to the tech department for hooking up Tombstone. Really nice. Here it comes. Technology. Hey, Belljar, thanks for bringing us in and out. Beautiful boys. I heard Belljar might be out bowling this week. I wonder if they got any turkeys. Hey, and listeners, please continue spreading the good vibe that is the Screen the Screener podcast. Thank you, thank you, and thank you for carving out time in your week for us. We're always humbled. Hey, next week the gang will be back together. Uh, there may even be a Dr. Tony appearance. Looking forward to that. And listeners, enjoy the games this weekend, especially the two biggies. And uh, we'll catch up with you guys next week. Thank you so much. Screen the Screener podcast. Enjoy the games, y'all. <laughs>